It is Locked On Jazz for the 30th of September. Bringing the game directly to the fans is Ryan Smith's vision. He'll be doing it on Saturday. The NBA eliminates the coaches' challenge for all intents and purposes. Can Hassan Whiteside and the Utah Jazz be good defensively together? And are there enough possessions? A full show today coming up on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are here for you every day for your first listen, and we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where we are live and are most mornings so that we can have interaction. Good morning to Bryce, who's already jumped on early this morning in the chat room, dropping a hello. You guys can interact together. Also, the great thing about the YouTube broadcast is if you're watching it afterwards, you can interact in the chat room and see what people were saying as well. Good morning to Donovan, but not Mitchell, some other Donovan. All right. Ryan Smith is beginning to make his stamp on this team. It's really obvious if you're on the the inside. Uh, media day, content day was completely different than it's ever been. There was a disc jockey. Uh, there was music playing. There was a vibe. There was an energy. Um, it was really clear that there was something different. Here's the step for you where it's going to start to impact you as a fan is Ryan wants to bring the jazz directly to you as much as he can. This will start Saturday, 2 o'clock. A scrimmage broadcast via Zoom. Literally going to give you, there'll be a Zoom link that the Jazz will tweet out, have out on their website for you. You can grab in, be in, watch a Zoom. I don't know all the details. Travis Henderson, our Emmy Award winning producer and director, is putting it together. Uh, I do think I'm involved. Um, I don't know all the details, but I've actually heard some cool stuff where you'll actually be able to choose uh, of multiple different broadcasts coming at one time. I mean, there's a lot of, different things here that they're doing. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. I kind of have some ideas of, of what the visions are. Talk to Ryan about it once or twice. And um, it's pretty fabulous where he's trying to take this for you as a fans, as the fans. So keep an eye out for it. It's very innovative. Um, and Saturday, two o'clock is the open scrimmage. But instead of being an open scrimmage where you come into the arena, it's an open scrimmage for you via Zoom. And I believe if all is going to be able to develop as they hope, multiple different kind of things for you to watch at one time from a tour of the practice facility to maybe one angle, maybe Bowler on one broadcast, me on another, something of that sort. So it's, it, it's all still coming together. So I don't want to define it yet for people, uh, but pretty fabulous. Uh, NBA made a really, really significant rule change yesterday. The NBA ruled yesterday that the final two minutes of games out of bounds plays would no longer be reviewed unless it's a coach's challenge so the problem that they're addressing was real that every time the ball went out of bounds the officials didn't make a call and they went to the video screen and it was kind of a mess the second problem they're addressing here they don't solve entirely but it's significant is that what had happened was if i'm dribbling the ball and 
Michael Diamond, who's listening to the show right now and said good morning in the chat room. And Michael Diamond comes up and knocks it out of my hands. Very clearly, I'm dribbling. He knocks it out with his quickness that made Michael Diamond the first round draft pick and knocks the ball out of bounds. It's clearly off of Michael Diamond. And this happens all the time. And then you go to our Super HD, 4D, slow-mo, super slow-mo, and you look at the replay and you see that at the last second, after Michael Diamond had hit the ball out of bounds, my fingers were still on the ball and it touches the thing, my finger, even though I had nothing to do with the ball going out of bounds, and it's off of me. And this, this really had become the, the, what the call was almost all the time. And it's not the right call. Like the right call is that the ball got knocked out of my hands while I was dribbling by the other team. It's still my ball, but we could get into 4D and see that was off the fingers. So the two reasons they've made this rule change are those two reasons. Those are both great. The problem is what this is going to mean for the game. The first thing is they have eliminated the coach's challenge in the game. If you are a coach and you are smart, you will never use your coach's challenge under only under probably two circumstances for the, ever again, other than holding it for the final two minutes to see whether or not you have one of these plays in which it's an out of bounds. And, and let me see if I can break this down for you. So if you have a play late in the game where there's an out of bounds play and it can go either way, the average possession is like 1.1 points. So if you suddenly have an out of bounds play late in the game where they have the ball, you knock it out of bounds, but it's actually off them and they call it the other way. You now call for your review and you win. That's worth the 1.1 point they didn't get and the 1.1 point you get as a new possession. Maybe it's probably only worth the one, but you get the possession earlier, which is late in the game matter. So it's, it's, and then you put in the fact that there's a limited amount of possessions left at that point to three or four or five. It's wildly important. It's so important. And it's such a big deal that I can't imagine that there's an NBA coach that's going to want to get into the circumstance and not have it. I talked to an NBA coach about this once before, who basically said, like, I understand all the math and the analytics. I don't want to be the guy who has to go to the press conference and says, yeah, I'd already used my challenge. I was out of it. And I couldn't make that play. It's not worth it for me early in the game. To use it. This even further accentuates that. I'm not sure I buy that, like that logic, because I do believe a point at one point matters, but that pre but now that this is the standard, I a hundred percent, there's only two circumstances where you should ever use a coach's challenge. Now one is with the new rules on three point shots and kickouts and them and diving into guys. If somebody dives into someone, draws the foul, hits the three, so there's already three points on the board, and they got a foul, by the way, there has to be something called for you to be able to review it. Now, if you review that, you could get three points off the board and a foul called on them, so really you're getting about 3.7 points back because they were going to go to the free throw line. That That's worth it. If there's one of those in the game where someone does that crazy dive into someone and you can get 3.7 points back, that's worth bypassing having the replay for later in the game. Mathematically, psychologically, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure a head coach can do that still. The second one is if one of your superstars ends up with his third foul in the first half or fifth foul in the second half, okay? You just, because you don't want to take him off the floor. So that that's, but really, that's it. And so what the league has done here is eliminated the coach's challenge from the game except for the final two minutes on out-of-bounds plays. 
I don't love that. Like, there's got to be a better way, and I think we'll swing back the other way eventually on this. We do have instant replay. There is value to it. It does make the game better. Therefore, I, I would think that you want to have it as a part of the game in, in some capacity. We're, you know, Monty McCutcheon, the head official's big line is, we're asking for excellence, not perfection, out of our officials. Then fine, give us the right to use technology to get closer toward perfection. The second thing I don't like about it, and again, I do believe in the slogan we've talked about a lot, like you can't complain if you don't have solutions. I'm not sure I have a solution on what this is because I do understand what they were trying to fix. But here's the second thing I don't like about it. One of the two things they're trying to fix was the stoppage of plays. The second was kind of this incorrect call when my guy, Michael Diamond, knocks the ball off my hand, right? Now, in the final two minutes on the most important call of the game, when we go to replay, we're going back to that. We're going back to that rule. So now, all throughout the game, Michael Diamond's harassing me. I'm loose with my high dribble, and he's killing me and knocking the ball out. Michael Diamond's a star. He's all defensive team NBA now. And he knock, he's knocking the ball out of bounds. And, and, we're, and I'm struggling. And all game long, I'm getting the ball back. Well, now all of a sudden, in the most important possession of the game, late in the game, I got my high dribble. Michael Diamond gets in on me again. All defensive team. Davian Mitchell-esque, who, you know, he's obviously a superstar because he was good in summer league. Okay, sarcasm. Uh, and he knocks the ball out of bounds. Now we go to the 4D HD and we see the ball clicks off my fingers ever so lightly as the last action and the ball goes the other side. Like, that's the exact thing we're trying to get away from. We just made it the case late in the game. So I don't love this. Um, I get what they were trying to do. I don't like the impact of it at all. I think if I was going to go with a solution, we should have a rule that the person who initiates the ball going out of bounds is the one who somehow it's off. Now, I don't know what you do when you save it and it's initiated by that person. It hits someone and goes out of bounds. I think that's a that's a difficult concept. So, um I don't love that rule entirely on that um, and all those things. Um, so, uh, you know, those are the little, um, those are the things I'm seeing that I saw on that uh, should be interesting to kind of, you know, we'll see. Um, so maybe I'm wrong on it though. On the other end, uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at intercap lending. Give me one second. I need to send a text. I just got a phone call. This is where we're doing a live show, um, but I, uh, the person who just texted me is super important or called me is super important, and so I'm not going to be able to focus unless I actually respond, and of course, now I'm not able to respond like I should. Sorry, guys. This is the problem with the live show. Talk amongst yourselves, everybody. Wasn't that the Saturday Night Live one? I'm recording Locked on Jazz right now. Is it urgent? Do I need to stop and call you right away? Um, all right, we'll find out. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending, located all around the world for all of you Locked On Jazz listeners. Steve Carter is simply the best. He does amazing work. He's done two of our refinances so far, and he can do them for you as well. Intercap has done amazing, amazing work since coming to Utah uh, over the last period of time as they have become the, um, you know, really one of the leaders in the industry of just getting deals done. They're a direct lender. They have a unique borrower experience that allows uh, to make sure um, to make sure that you uh, get everything done quickly. The reason they've been growing at such a rate is because they get deals done uh, and are a direct issue or they service your loan, long-term relationship. And Steve Carter is our personal loan officer at Locked on Jazz, giving you that 
VIP experience. So call them at 385-885-28. That's Steve Carter, 385-885-28. Or you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Today's show is also brought to you by grip6.com. My dad texted me yesterday, hey, do you have a promo code for Grip6? I do. Locked on should work for you. The men's honeycomb belt is back and in stock at $49. The great wallet is available as well. I just got caught on a Grip6 wallet ad the other day on Blue um, on uh, YouTube. And I was like, seriously about to buy one. I was like, that sounds so great. And I was like, hey, wait a second. That, that's my advertising. Uh, the Blue Jay uh, Midnight Strip uh, strap is back. If you don't know about Grip6 belts, they're just incredible. They're engineered without holes, flaps, or bolts. Unlimited lifetime warranty. Quality craftsmanship guaranteed. Uh, at grip six, uh, you get the straps, you get the buckles, they're interchangeable. So you end up having like three, four, five, six, seven belts by having, you know, just as you can get three straps, one buckle, and you've already got three belts, but then you add the second buckle, you got six belts. You can start doing the math. It's really pretty great. It's at grip six.com. Use the promo code locked on. I've told you the honeycomb belt is probably the one I wear the most when I want to be a little bit more formal on things. Um, I'll go with either the gunmetal or the ninja belt. There's even a little one that's even one step nicer than that, which is um, the highest price one. So you're gonna be like, of course, Locke, you sent me the highest price item. You know, I always hate it like when a waiter does that. But no, it's the dark metal uh, matter belt. It's kind of cool looking. You'll check it out. You'll see it. You'll probably agree with me as well. They've also got the eight pack of their fastback wool ankle socks. I wear those a lot. So those are available as well. It's all at grip6.com, promo code locked on. So I have been on the air a lot talking about what I, the player who I think could be most impactful to the Jazz this year, which is Hassan Whiteside. And so the thing that I want to, like, okay, I keep talking about, but I always like to be backed up by numbers. I like to have facts, what I'm saying. The, the premise of what I'm saying here is that the Jazz were 26th in the league defensively last year when, in, excuse me, 26th percentile when Rudy was off the floor. In fact, I think, if I dig into it a little bit more and I, I have some numbers on it, the Jazz, I, I believe, were about 29th in the league in like isolation defense when Rudy was off the floor, like 30th in the league in transition defense. I mean, really pretty horrendous defensively when Rudy was off the floor. And that's, in a sense, what the Clippers did to the Jazz in the playoffs. Now, so is that some – and I keep saying, hey, if Hassan Whiteside can be good defensively for those 14 minutes a night – we're lights out. We were the best defensive team in the league last year. In When Rudy Gobert was on the floor, we're the best defensive team in the league for the entire year last year. When we were, when we, despite the fact that we were horrendous defensively for large portions of the game, our defense was number one in the league, according to Clean the Glass, at 107.5. The Lakers were at 108.1. Philadelphia was at 108.2. And the Knicks were at 108.4. The next closest in the league. After those four, there were four really good defensive teams last year. Four teams that were within a point of us defensively last year. Golden State was fifth at 110.7. Nearly, actually three points per 100 possessions, less good compared to the Jazz. And really two and a half than everyone else. So there were four really good defensive teams last year. The defense and the offense in the league last year was amazing at 112.9. The league is obviously swinging that way and it got bigger and bigger and bigger as the year went on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Just, just so you have context of that. Like if you start to look at the years past and look at like in just even in one year. So the league offense last year was a 112.9. The year prior it was a 110.9. I 
And we had a massive offensive explosion in the NBA last year of two points per 100 possessions, and the Jazz still stayed elite defensively. So I think you've all heard this. You know, when just kind of let me put it in perspective uh, and make sure everyone has it. 112.9 is what the league average was when we had Rudy Gobert off the floor. And I'm not picking on Derek Favors here, but I want to eliminate the garbage minutes from this conversation. So it's when Derek Favors was on the floor, this is eliminating Udoka or Ilyasova or some of those kind of things. When Derek Favors was on the floor, our defense was a 116.5 or 116.1 in the 21st percentile, um, in the 21st percentile one. And if that, you kind of put that into to comparison to where the rest of the league is, uh, Sorry, I'm I'm spacing here for a second. Let me see if I can find that number again. Uh, 116.1. That's what I thought. Sorry, brain freeze. 116.1. Had the Jazz been that for the entire season, the 116.1 defensively would have ranked them 26th in the NBA. Only Minnesota, Houston, Portland, and Sacramento were worse. Okay, so that's what the Jazz were when Rudy was off the floor with Derrick in. So can we assume that Hassan, that the Jazz could be good with Hassan Whiteside? That's been my premise. Is that's the move that actually no one's talking about that actually matters here. We're talking about versatility. We'll talk about versatility tomorrow on the show and why I'm not buying this whole versatility talk um, and, we'll, and some of those things. Okay. When Hassan Whiteside was on the floor defensively with Portland, not a good defensive team, but either are we, frankly, without Rudy. They were a 112.8, 36th percentile. Not great. They were in the 90th percentile offensively. He's rolling to the basket. He never really played with what I would call primary shooters. The best lineup he had, by the way, in Portland, a primary shooting was was Dame, CJ, Trevor, Ariza, Carmelo, and their offense was a 123. The other next closest would be Rodney Hood instead of Ariza. Now, In fairness to Hassan Whiteside on this defensive conversation, he's playing with Carmelo Anthony almost exclusively um, defensively, and the defense with Carmelo on the floor is a disaster. Uh, When he played with somebody, when when Carmelo Anthony was on the floor, and this is diving in a little deep, and now you're kind of making excuses, but when Carmelo was on the floor, their defense was a 112.3, and when Carmelo was off the floor with Hassan Whiteside, which was not very often. It was a very small sample size. You only they, it was a little bit better. So, but the defense, frankly, with Whiteside in Portland was not great. The offense was. The offense was really virtually unstoppable. He was a one twelve point eight. He was in the thirty six percentile. So, track record says there that okay, maybe I'm stretching. Let's let's go look more. Let's go to Miami eighteen nineteen season. Now in the 18-19 season with Hassan Whiteside on the floor, probably better defensive players, they were in the 77th percentile overall, 107.8. And we've got to use percentile because of what I talked about earlier, that the offense has exploded so much in the NBA recently that it's probably not um, fit. You can't look at the number and the efficiency because the offense is changing so dramatically Um year to year, really last year just exploded. So they were in the 77th percentile with Whiteside in 1819. Now 1718, and I'm the like we're now four years removed. Like he's 32, he was 28. They were in the 80th percentile at 
floor in the 1617 with Whiteside on the floor. They were in the 69th percentile. So I think going back any further than this is probably fool's gold in the sense that we're 15, 16 Whiteside's one probably young enough that I'm not sure that it's a um a adequate sample size. They were in the 71st percentile. Dwayne Wade's playing with him on those two teams, as is Luel Dang, as is Chris Bosch. Like these guys are out of the league. It was a decent amount of time ago um, for that. So what is all? what do all these numbers mean and what should, how should we analyze them? I'll look at that when we come back. Throw your questions into the chat room if you're watching live um, as well. I do want to talk about something that probably deserves more time upcoming this week is whether or not we, we have not enough possessions um, for all of our guys. So I want to touch on that um, as well. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz the first listen of your day every single day. For your second listen today, Josh Lloyd and Locked on Fantasy Basketball is getting everyone ready for the season, both from a fantasy standpoint, also as a uh, for the fun of uh, you know season previews and all that. He's just done amazing work. He does a great show. So make sure uh, you grab that. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit Rock Auto and tell them Locked On sent you. Rock Auto has been in business for 40 years for the do-it-yourself, for over 20 years, excuse me. I doubled their time because you double the savings. Rock Auto, that was a good save, wasn't it? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. No reason to spend 30, 50, 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, whether it's a tail lamp, motor oil, carpet, brake pads, whatever it is, go check it out at rockauto.com. It's an old school, easy to navigate website for you to look at. You can explore easy to use look um, and find out whatever you need. When you're checking out, please write locked on in the how do you hear about us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Sweatlock. I used it this week. I got the dry shirt guarantee. It worked perfectly and that's why it's currently number one in the Amazon antiperspirant category. Manufactured in the U.S., doctor created, doctor recommended a Utah company that's been around for years. For the past 10 years, they've just been selling on Amazon and they are now out and available for you at sweatblock.com and you can get 20% off. It's also available at CVS and Amazon, but go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off. I know it sounds too good to be true, but you literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps you dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking up shirts based on where the sweat's going to be hidden. No more terrible sweat lines in your shirts. Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes also are there for you. Uh, great products all across the board, and the promo code LOCKDOWN works for all of them. It's stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply add it at night before you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed, it's sweat block. Any questions in the chat room today? Everybody wants to know why um, our guy um, became all defensive league. Um, N. Garcia is all over Donovan. Um for uh, not being good enough defensively. The fact he averages 26 points a game should, you know, there's really, that's a large part of it. And does he need to D up late in games? Yes. And did he have a leg where he could not move last year? Yes. Like I've rewatched second half of game six. It's it's so abundantly clear how injured everybody was. All right. I wanted, so let's wrap up the Son Whiteside conversation. The answer on that is, I think the assumption, the, the statement I'm making that if a Son Whiteside is good defensively, the Jazz will actually be 
That's their area of improvement. For all the other talks, I'll talk tomorrow about versatility and why I'm not buying. For all the other conversations we're having, Hassan Whiteside and those 12, 14 minutes are actually the one that changes who the Jazz are this year, considering how bad they were. Is it realistic to expect? When I looked at the numbers, I went both ways. Like Sacramento last year was a bad year. He got COVID. He had really bad COVID lungs afterwards. He said the first time he played, 45 seconds in, he was calling for a sub. He never got going again. He didn't like his experience in Sacramento. Sean Holmes started getting minutes. Then they started doing a bunch of other stuff. He got left out of the process. They, they're, you know, I don't want to badmouth Sacramento, but Sacramento's got enough reasons. That seems like a legitimate complaint. In Portland, they weren't good defensively. I'm not sure we're great defensively. So I think that gets to be a little tricky of like how you want to characterize this. When Whiteside was on the floor, their defense was a 112.8. When Whiteside was off the floor that year, um, which is the year I think Nurkic was hurt. Um, And so their defense was a 118.1 in the eighth percentile. So they were considerably better when Hassan Whiteside was on the floor defensively. They were an absolute dumpster fire when he wasn't. What is really interesting about his Portland numbers is how great they were offensively, which I think we will be too. When Whiteside's on the floor, we were pretty great offensively with Faves, so that's not going to be a great. But that leads me to say, like, okay, like he was – he was not very good defensively on a really bad defensive team that was even worse with him on the floor. What we're asking him to do is to be pretty good on a team defensive team that when Rudy's on the floor is the best in the NBA. And they just have to play the exact same way for 48 minutes on most of those nights. Uh, and left they're playing one of the few teams that can spread them out one through five. So to me, that's encouraging. His Miami numbers to me, are hard to evaluate because of the fact that it was so long ago. There is a chance, like, let's not hide it. Big guys' knees go, and when they go, they're just done. You know, we missed on Ed Davis. Like, you could see it in the first week of training camp. Like, oh, my gosh, his, he, his legs don't work the way they're supposed to. Like, that was, a, you know, pretty obvious, unfortunately. Um, and it just happens in off season. So, did you know, there is a chance. It's worth kind of pointing out that Hassan Whiteside didn't play in – Sacramento last year because he wasn't good and his legs, his knees are gone. And he can't, like, that's a possibility. Like, let's not hide it. I don't think it's the case. The word that I'm hearing out of OTAs and scrimmage and practices, um, early training camp practices are um, that he is absolutely um, balling out and been terrific. And that Rudy is just loving having him around uh, to have an equally sized guy who he can play with and battle with and work on his game with. So um, all the reports are good. So I don't think it's going to be an issue that. So then we get to Miami where he's on a really good structured defense. He's playing for a really good defensive team and they're really good defensively and they're brilliantly coached the way Eric Spolster and Quinn Snyder are. And that's pretty encouraging to me. So, you know, if you ask me, everyone where I go, Rudy Gay, Jared Butler, Hassan Whiteside to me is the player that changes who the Jazz are this year compared to what they were last year and makes them in a league that's getting even better and better and better offensively, even more dominant defensively. If the Jazz are the easiest team to play defense for, hug the shooters, drive the ball handler into Rudy, play defense. Like that's it. And now when they spread us out one through five and they just drive at us, that's where, and get Rudy on the outside, that's where it's tough. There just aren't a lot of teams. Dallas, maybe. Clippers maybe that can do that to us. We're going to see more and more try. Everyone's going to try. And every time they try, it's great because it's practice for the playoffs. Here's the other one I do want to talk about. It came up kind of subtly in media day, and I'm just going to kind of start it today and we'll continue it tomorrow. Um, And that is like, we have way, we not way, but 
we have, don't have enough possessions for this roster. So last year we saw it and we got through it without any problem. And we were the best team in the league in the regular season. But if you kind of go through Boyan's year, you know, Boyan was not as good because he wasn't as good um, in the first quarter of games. Like that's where Boyan was dramatically different than he was a year ago was the fact that in first quarter of games, he wasn't as engaged and inactive. And then he never got going in games. And then he really struggled. And so when you look at it from his standpoint, that was because Mike Conley got more involved. Then when Donovan got hurt, we suddenly had, um, when, you know, when Donovan got hurt, suddenly Boyan gets the ball more and he's able to thrive. And you even had Joe and Mike last year kind of joking about the fact that, hey, I'm only good when you don't play and you're only good when I don't play. And like, it was all, they were all kind of kidding about that. Well, George Niang took six shots a game last year and Derek Favors took four and both Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay are going to expect to take many more shots than that. And where are they coming from? Like Boyan Bogdanovich last year took 12.8 shots a game. He took 14.8 the year before. The reason he struggled is because he suddenly lost 20% of his shots. And if you go and look at like when he suddenly got good was when Donovan was out and suddenly instead of taking 14 shots a game, he was taking 15, you know, he was back up. Like those final 12 games of the year where Boyan averaged 24 points a game and four rebounds and two assists, he took 16.5 shots a game. Well, that's two more than he took, four more than he took for most of the season. So there is an issue we'll delve into tomorrow a little bit about whether or not this team has enough possessions and how they're going to do this delicate dance throughout the year of making sure that everyone feels as though they have enough looks and enough touches and all that. A few questions have just come in. What do you think about taking 43-pointers in the playoffs? And do the Jazz have other offense approaches when the three isn't going or just locked down? Um, I like taking 43s in the playoffs because we're a great three-point shooting team and the play the basket's still just as far away and the counts as much and the rim's still the same and the ball's still the same and our guys are still great shooters, so I actually like it. Um, it's how we're going to win. Like, we're not going to be able to get in the middle of the ring and pound out against those other teams. You know, what people missed on, like, Phoenix last year, it wasn't an indictment on the three-point shot. It was how they're going to win. Phoenix is going to win by letting Chris Paul and Devin Booker get those kind of shots. That's what that's what they're, that's what what they're they do, and that's what they're good at. Dalen says, totally with you on the point about Whiteside. If he can get the our non-Rudy minutes to average would be huge. Is the Rudy effect something to worry about, though? What's the Rudy effect? I don't quite know that last thing. Uh, easy G white side, the last few years, poorly conditioned mental lapses, can't bend his knees due to injury, poor screen setter, poor defense positionally. He has soft touch through. He needs a big turnaround. Well, easy G was watching a lot of Sacramento Kings basketball and a lot of Portland basketball for that analysis. Um, Oh, what Dalen meant by the comment about Rudy was that anyone who plays behind Rudy doesn't look good. Yeah, but we're not asking him to be in the 99th percentile defensively. We're asking him to be um, in the 50th percentile defensively, which we'll see. He was not in Portland on a terrible defensive team. He was in Miami in a good defensive structure, and it'll be important for him to be able to be something close to that um, this year because if he does, then we're great. We're going to see. He's 32 years old, seven-footer, massive reach, two biggest reaches in the league outside of Taco Faller on the same team. And if the Jazz can use it correctly, they could be really, really good 
defensively. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. Um, Now, go take a second listen to Locked on Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd. This is the Locked on Fantasy. This is the Locked on Podcast Network. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and, of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0.